Top of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. Strange case. No sign of violence, yet she looks completely contorted in fear. Almost as if she'd been frightened to death. As if she'd seen something too horrible to live through. You're listening to the Really Awful Movies Podcast, a celebration of genre cinema. Hi, my name is Chris, and along with Jeff, we talk about movies that aren't really awful at all. Horror, action, kung fu, musicals, post-apocalyptic, women in prison films, and much, much more. It's 1998, in a remote California town at a secluded private school. We could have a Halloween party, just the four of us. We could have a roaming orgy. I love the way this man thinks. No booze, no drugs, no kidding. One teacher is living in fear. I'm not who you think I am. I changed my name when I went into hiding. Terrible. Pick up your clothes. My brother killed my sister. <laughs> How'd he do that? With a really big kitchen knife. That's enough. I can't take it, Mom. He's dead. It's been 20 years. What's he waiting for, huh? Don't you think he would have shown up by now? This is a sick joke. Now. Come on! The face of good and the face of evil will meet one last time. From our downtown Toronto headquarters, here's episode 217. It should be said, the awfully titled Halloween H2O, 20 years later. Like... You'd be hard-pressed to come up with a worse title for as legendary and iconic a franchise as this one. So, right off the bat, this is not doing itself any favors. 1998's Jamie Lee Curtis reprising her role mm-hmm. as Laurie Strode. Whew. Okay, well, let's get a little context going here. This is... Yes, I do agree that the title is awful. It's horrendous. Yeah. H2O. I mean, obviously, when you hear H2O, you think water, water and everything. But, I mean, okay, so this is... But 20 years later. So, this is a film that actually came out in 1998, 20 years after the original Halloween came out, which was in 78, right? So, it's referencing that. H stands for Halloween. So, you know, 20 years later, what have you. Title does kind of suck. However, this film when it came out was heralded as a return to form for the franchise this was this by, fil- <laughs> by everybody i mean oh first my. of all it did really well theatrically it was the highest grossing halloween film uh save the original up to that point i do believe the first rob zombie film did gross more than this one but yeah it was heralded uh the critics seemed to like it the uh, the audience seemed to like it it was it was a success i mean you got to remember okay so we, you had one and two, right? So that was 
Laurie Strode. That was the story of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode. Then you had the Incredible Halloween Three, the Silver Shamrock. You know, yeah. this is the one. You know, this was meant to start a whole new anthology. Nothing to do with Mike Myers whatsoever. This was something the completely different. Kind of stuff, Samane, yeah. etc. Sawin. What have you? Anyway, whatever. I mean, you know, you got uh, fucking Tom Atkins in that one. You got. I mean, it's it's one of those movies that at the time was so derided and so vilified but over the years has been redeemed and it's no longer a surprise to say oh i love halloween 3 it's it's phenomenal it's great it's just it's not a michael myers movie however because it was so vilified producers start to scramble mustafa god whatever who i think that's the name of the producer i can't remember what have you it doesn't matter so for halloween 4 you have the return of michael myers and that was the big selling point the big man is back, the shape, the man in the mask, what have you. And a new character was introduced, and that was Jamie Lloyd, his cousin, played by Danielle Harris. And Halloween 4 was actually pretty good, but then 5 and 6 were not very good. And then they started to introduce this, this new element into the mythos of Halloween with this druid cult and whatever. <laughs> and yeah, so I mean, they're introducing this new character that Became a bit of a fan favorite. Uh, Jamie Lloyd, as played by Daniel Harris. She does have a familiar relationship to Michael Myers, just as Laurie Stroh did for 1 and 2. But she's his cousin. Those films were not very good. And the box office returns were declining. Furthermore, one connective thread you have through all these films, save Halloween 3, is Donald Pleasance as Dr. Sam Loomis. By the time he made... Halloween 6, The the Curse of Michael Myers, he was in very ill health, and he wasn't long for this this earth, and the movie itself was just a complete debacle. I have yet to see the producer's cut, which a lot of people say is much better, mm-hmm. but something had to be done in terms of rebooting this franchise. So enough time had passed, and I guess they figured that, hey, you know what, let's give it another go, and it just so happened that here we are now in 1998, and horror is as hot as it's ever been because this you got to remember like we are right now right in the thick of yeah the post scream era where everything's got to be postmodern and everything's got to be self-referential and this movie fell into that trap right this is your postmodern self-referential halloween now just moving ahead this film was well received and why was it well received Be- probably because you have jamie lee curtis returning to the role that people love her in as laurie strode and yeah i mean it just fell in that template of what people really like in their horror back then and so then they follow this up with the reviled halloween seven i guess it would was be it after uh, resurrection resurrection zombie. indeed oh, okay and that was just a complete debacle <laughs> that was with buster rhymes uh I don't, what they did to, uh, to, to laurie strode in that movie was uh, was reprehensible and something that they you know they, uh, they should not be living down and that basically killed the series for the second time and so then rob zombie made his remake slash reimagining first one did okay second one killed the series for the third time <laughs> now we're on the verge of waiting of having a new halloween this is the blumhouse release david gordon green uh, uh much anticipated by me i think october 19th it's coming out and yet again for the third time now they're rebooting it with jamie lee curtis yet again so every time the halloween series starts to falter they just go back to the well and get jamie lee curtis to come back in and play laurie strode hey i guess why not if you're gonna have some sort of measure of continuity 
if she wrapped up her filming in February, like she's good to go. Although I think the her role has been considerably reduced. But we're gonna find out. Like what well, we're gonna find out a lot of, a lot of. Well, there's a lot quest, of questions lot that people questions. want answered yeah, for this like one. How much involvement does Carpenter have? Seemingly somewhat quasi hands on, or at least advice, a conciliary kind of thing. Who knows what what you know? Mm-hmm. I don't but know. it's just interesting how you know this series is now is now technically going on its fourth reboot. You know, if you consider Halloween three a reboot, if you consider Halloween four <laughs> a reboot, if you consider H two O a reboot. If you consider Rob's on this is actually the fifth reboot. So they keep fucking up the series and hey. then they keep on hitting the reset button and going back to the well with well, Laurie Strode. Who better to do that with than the guy who's directed Friday's the thirteenth films, which mm-hmm. is like a you know, a franchise that's been left for dead and has come back from the dead more times than we can count. So that's Steve Miner. You could say this is a maybe a minor production. But yeah, like it, what it's a I guess there's so many questions of like, what would you consider if you were making this film and you were going to carry on the Laurie Strode plot line? Like, what would you factor in if well, you were to make this? Okay, first of all, so the other thing I didn't mention is that what this movie basically did was it ignored a ignored bunch of shit. Yeah. three, four, five, six. So. This, I guess, would be our seventh Halloween movie, but this, I guess, is a direct sequel to to two, two guess, yeah. albeit right. 20 years later. It's not that they didn't have a good idea. You know, it's great. You revisit it 20 years later. Okay, fine. You're going to take out of the continuity the whole uh, you know Daniel Harris character, the Jamie Lloyd character. You're going to take out that fucking druidic cult that's controlled <laughs> yeah. by Michael Myers. Okay, Don Pleasance is dead, so you can't have Sam Loomis anymore. But what this movie... See, because I'm just going to say, like when I first saw this movie 20 years ago, I didn't see it theatrically, but I did rent it the day it came out on video. I rented I rented it on VHS. And I liked it. I liked it. I have yet... I haven't revisited it since. Rewatching it for this podcast, I was just completely... What's the opposite of blown away? Like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just completely just like yeah, it was just for, so for the, yeah it was it was underwhelming but not even it wasn't even so underwhelming that it was me- memorably bad mm-hmm. it wasn't even bad enough to be memorably bad this and was that, a that's film something that's really like, like this was this is halloween light basically i mean this movie was so light it could just float away into the ether mm-hmm. there was no gravitas i mean imagine if this was the first movie Imagine that Halloween 1978, John Carpenter's iconic classic, didn't exist, and this movie started the franchise. That would be a, a quick demise. This would, it, a, yeah, yeah, it would have been a one and done because this movie, really, the only thing that w- that kept it afloat and that you know why it was so successful was the goodwill that people have for the original. Um, there's nothing to this movie. It was bogged down by these postmodern tropes, which. You know, I might have found amusing 20 years ago. This time around, I found to be so annoying. Uh, first of all, like every other horror film that was coming out in this era, you you have your cast of telegen- telegenic actors um, who are cast not for anything but the fact that they're good-looking, they're on TV shows, etc. In this one, you got Joseph Gordon-Levitt, 
who, uh, of course, at the time was just coming off Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah, yeah. You got Michelle Williams coming off Dawson's Creek. Now, Michelle Williams became a phenomenal actress. Yes. Like, she was not a good actress when this movie was made. She sucked yeah, on Dawson's it's hard Creek. It's to say, like, whether, mm-hmm. you know, this brought her down or whether she was... No, no, she wasn't a good... She was, she was terrible on Dawson's Creek. Who knows? But it's it's hard to say, like, in a genre not exactly known for <laughs> thespian, you know, up-and-coming, like, wunderkind actors, you could do far worse than the people they got here. So it's hard to say whether they, you know, brought themselves down to the material, because... Uh, yeah, say what you will, but yeah, Josh Hartnett and that, this would have been a dream cast if you put it in, like, Friday the 13th. As those people were legitimately awful, like a lot of them, but yeah, I'm not sure whether you would, like, I mean, there's a lot of things to fault. I'm not sure where the blame lies apart from, well, I have, I have a theory of where okay. it lies. The reality is, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Michelle Williams, they both evolved into great actors. But at this point in their careers, they were not the, uh, cast for their ability to emote and be mm-hmm. a good they were cast for the fact that they were telegenic they're young and they're they're on hit tv series after that the insufferable josh hartnett i hate that guy <laughs> every time i see his face i just want to punch it yeah and uh, bad actor who finds his way into good movies uh yeah as opposed to the other two who are good actors who find themselves in good indie movies and bad mainstream movie but that was then that was then okay he's like he's some I don't know by hook or by crook he falls into good movies somehow but he doesn't elevate them by any means of course you have to have the obligatory crossover you know uh, rap musician what have you here it's LL Cool J (laughs) he was legitimately awful playing uh, (laughs) Ronnie the security guard extremely disposable character and so as I was saying before What's going on here is a very, very blatant attempt at just latching on to the Scream template and doing whatever it was that made Scream so popular. They even had brought on Kevin Williamson, who wrote Scream. Yes, yeah. To, you know, he wrote a bunch of early drafts of this script. They ended up not going with Kevin Williamson's script, but they used a lot of his ideas. So one of the things was... I mean, okay, spoiler alert, 20 years later, what have you. No, it's not even 20 years later. How many years is it? This came out in 98 later, now, yeah. 40 years later. Yeah, well, uh, yeah well, since the original. Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who was, you know, you know, kind of like the big star, getting killed so early on in the movie. A la Scream. A yeah, la Scream, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So there's that, you know? Uh, just like Drew Barrymore, wow, you know, this is one of our biggest stars. Let's kill her in the first scene. Here they do the same with uh, JGL. It was, hey. a, it was a cool implement that they used to kill him with. They made it into our book. It was a, yeah, it was I, a hockey skate, but yeah. Yeah, indeed. Very Canadian. I, I just find like the the biggest debit comes from, I guess, this is a character known, the, the shape. Michael Myers is known for less is more. And here he becomes, he inserts himself, or he is inserted, to use the passive voice, in, in way too much. Like He's too involved. In the beginning, you have little hints of him, and that's fine, but then later on, he's all over the place. And the, the selling point of the original is that it's just a suburban town, and then he's lurking in the shadows. But here, he's seemingly everywhere. The largest debit uh, beyond the, I guess, the Scream-esque self-referential, even references to Scream 2, which one of them is watching, all this uh, kind it, of yeah. repartee and the banter are kind of insufferable. Well, the, mo- the most egregious. The setting is okay. the most egregious. Okay. That is terrible mm-hmm. because a good setting can 
make up for a lot of flaws. Like you could have a bunch of telegenic people and you put them in an incredible setting and you can almost make up for it. I'm thinking the wonderful reboot of My Bloody Valentine in 3D. Mm-hmm. Really cool. You had lots of good-looking people, but you put them in that mine. You put them in that setting. You put them in Pennsylvania. It's like, whoa, this is badass. Here, you put them in fucking Hogwarts. I'm not interested. The setting is not interesting. It's not relatable. Laurie Strode is a headmistress, like in the states, like a headmistress. Like, what is this? This is not the UK. This is I don't, I don't understand that conceit. Look, I like the like, fact. I don't, like the son, I can get. I mm-hmm. like that she's hiding her identity. She's I like the. I like that. The, I like the, the fact country. that she's suffering from good. PTSD. Yes, as she should. Yeah, exactly. But you put it in this weird, like, stuck, pink stucco building in the middle of nowhere, guarded by LL Cool J. I could care less. Like, who has bad... this ridiculous running thing going with this? You know, he's talking with his girlfriend on the phone and this repartee. Oh, because it would be novelist. Yeah. Oh, God, it's just wretched. Like, but, but <laughs> like, honestly, like again, like. When I watch this thing, it's, it's, I can't believe that this thing came out... Uh, 20 years ago? 20 years ago. And uh, so, yeah, when I watched this 20 years ago, you know, I guess I was more accustomed to these uh, postmodern meta screen movies. And I was like, oh, you know, so every time I'd see, like, a little reference, I'd be like, hey, that's kind of cool. Oh, look, da, da, da. But now it just makes me shake my head. And the most egregious scene in this movie... Ooh, okay. Let's is, see. Let's see if, is, can, if I can guess. Uh, can I guess? <laughs> um, I, I don't think it's it's too hard to decipher. What do you think okay, it is? Okay, well, there's so many egregious mm. scenes. I'm going to say the reveal by Laurie Strode to her boyfriend. Is it, Was that... No, no, no. No, no I'm, okay. talking about, I'm talking about the most... Uh, it was the most uh, insufferably meta inside joke in the entire movie. And that was Janet Leigh, who, of course, is... Is Jamie Lee's mom. Jamie Lee Curtis's yeah. real mom, playing somebody who is a who works at the school who says can i offer My some some yeah. matronly advice to you so yeah. there's you know wink wink say no more etc and she's making vague references to psycho and she's even driving the same fucking car oh yes, that marion yeah. crane drove in psycho and you know it, it's just like <laughs> 20 years ago, the audience would be like, yeah, look at that. That's the same car. Oh, and she's, you know, that's her mom. Da, da, da. And it's oh. so, but that's what horror was all about 20 years ago. And it's, it, it hasn't aged well. It's no. bad. It's bad. Awful. Terrible. So that was egregious. Ooh, well, I thought with your nudge, nudge, wink, wink, say no more with your Monty Python. I mean, excellent, uh, you know, uh, Fish Called Wanda with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. But yeah, uh, I was going to say the, like, if you have this mega reveal where you have, the love interest is the guidance counselor at this shitty school, Hillcrest Academy or whatever it is. It's played by Adam Arkin. And he's the love interest of of Jamie Lee Curtis. And then they're making out. And then she says, I have something to tell you. And you my say, real sorry, name I, is I, I, not I, Laurie Strode. Like I'm at, I'm, or my real name is not Carrie, whatever it is. Kate? Was it Carrie, Tate? Carrie Tate? I don't know. Yeah, don't know. and then she says, I'm, uh, you know, I'm actually the sister of such and such. Like That is such a throwaway nothing nothing seen and the guy just jokes through this whole big reveal mm. and yeah i've heard about this case where like this guy went nuts in illinois I'm... but it's like this was a throwaway this is a should be a massive you lied to me about your name like holy shit you're the sister of this dude who's been killing people all over and i've read about in the news like this was nothing i'll be 20 nothing years ago seen. Yeah. it doesn't matter it's like yeah, it was treated with I, such a throwaway, yeah. like, blasé mm-hmm. attitude. That was shite. Like, absolute shite. Adam Arkin, Alan Arkin. Uh, the son. 
Is he the son of him? Get smart. Yeah. Oh, well, no. I mean, is Alan Larkin the guy who was in Little Miss Sunshine who uh, got the uh, Oscar nomination for that? Oh my and... God! Well, I know he's part of the Arkin family. Okay, I didn't so realize that they, get, were, get they were. Get smart, and the next one is you know in this dumb movie. Isn't but... Get smart, Don Adams. He was in that as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean you talk about throwaway, and that's the other thing too. I mean, all of these um, victims or would-be victims. Not one of them had any sort of development, development yeah. or personality. That you, even Strode's son, you know, uh, John, played by Hartnett, he was he was a cipher, and he was also he was annoying, and I didn't give a shit about him. And well, a weird conceit too. A bunch of people are going to Yosemite in the California mountains for a class trip, and one of them like doesn't pay their tuition at this fancy pants school, and then he, he wants to like. He, he wants to stay home and, and fuck his girlfriend. Well, so there's this whole to-do. Like, the whole thing is just so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, the setup is is crap. And and she's the headmistress. Like, I, I don't know. This thing was just not relatable in any way. Well, I, I, don't, I didn't understand. Look, like, in, in 1978, John Carpenter cast his movie with relative unknowns, you know? Maybe P.J. Souls had one or two little credits beforehand. Jamie Lee Curtis, sure, she was the daughter of, uh, you know, Tony, Tony and, Curtis and yeah. Chantley, what have you. But these were relative unknowns. So that did not take you out at all because you were like, oh, there's a Dawson's Creek kicker. or there's a guy that's on uh, Third Rock from the Sun. Okay, number one. Number two, no matter how much screen time they got, they were developed, they were real, they felt like, Actual, I mean, you. I think you've said a few times that Jamie Lee Curtis looked a little too long in the tooth to be playing a high school student. And yeah, fair enough, or maybe like a, just a freshman. But it doesn't matter. But like it, she was so compelling in that role, and this that was something relatable. So you're looking after, you know, you're in charge. You're a babysitter. You're, you're in this creepy big house. It's Halloween. You're mm-hmm. seeing things that spook you. Like the there's the callback to the white curtains in this movie, but. That's eminently relatable. Man. You look out the window at something, you're in a house by yourself. That's some. That's a perfect setting. But what I'm saying is that, like, I mean, you know, the, they were all characters that you cared about. So when they, you know, when some of them met their maker, it hurt. In this movie, when they met their maker, you're just like, whatever, who gives a fuck, you know? Well, yeah, it doesn't even matter so much, I guess, the caring. Because I know they brought back, like, Loomis in this awful incarnation in in rob zombies uh 2007 halloween where loomis was malcolm mcdowell mm-hmm. who was absolutely horrendous and, you know like, it's funny because he, awful. Like, he wasn't he was so, so bad i mean like, he, people uh, sorry. he hasn't spoken to me for 20 years yeah and yes yet i feel like he's my son is like oh my god i was like that was a forehead slapping moment of that like loomis as played by donald pleasance spelt wrong when they credited it and dedicated this movie to him mm-hmm. he was such a quiet like nervous like you felt like something was at stake with him because he had a vested interest in keeping the community safe from this guy like, he was well such a i mean good, in, quiet, in many a way like, i mean like, he's felt bad sorry. for him as an expert in many like, many ways it's his fault because yeah, of course, this was his charge right yes and but you feel bad for him he like, failed as a psychiatrist and you know well, i have an uncle who's a, a psychologist who worked for a department of it's it's going to be go by different names i guess department of justice department of corrections he was responsible for overseeing parole 
hearings and whether people could be let out mm. uh, and whether they're you know they're whether they're a danger to the public and this kind of thing. And I always thought like, yes, Loomis is a character on whom all of this, you know, blame could be placed, but there's a sympathy, sympathy there you is feel sympathy, for him for sure. in a way you don't with the Malcolm McDowell and like yeah. not having that kind of and the like fact that, that he was a character in the film in, in any respect. That like, I consider I consider Loomis to be one of the most um one of the, you know, in top 10 horror movie heroes because yes, he may have failed as a psychiatrist psychologist what have you but he was dealing with the embodiment of pure evil and then once that embodiment made his his escape loomis is out there proactively going after exactly trying him. to rectify his mistake whereas like, in so... in zombies movie he's fucking going on tacos and like trying to sell <laughs> oh books God. i mean you know let's not even like get into that shit because oh, yeah, we're yeah. not talking about that. we're talking about halloween h2o i mean interestingly enough it's funny because the credits for this movie sort of a bit of a montage of like you know what came before and there's a voiceover of some other dude. <laughs> Sam Loomis talking about Michael Myers, but it wasn't Donald Pleasance. No, they 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 employed some sort the of guy's name. Well, yeah, I don't even. Yeah. Why did they employ a voice alike? Do you know or? I'm not sure. This might have been some contractual thing, but uh, you know, at the very least, they they employed that. No, I mean, yeah, you know, you got to have the iconic, the iconic theme. But I mean, other than that. Okay, and the fact is that you have the iconic theme. Jamie Lee Curtis is always a delight, her, yeah. and she will always be welcome in any Halloween film. And she acquitted herself as well as she could in everything else that was going on around her in this movie. There is a one iconic scene where her and Michael, you know, sister and brother, face to face, you know, with the glass separating them, and there's Laurie's face, there's Michael's face, the breath, you yeah. know, fogging up the. Yeah, the window, window yeah. what have you. That was awesome. But overall, like I said before, this movie was light as a feather. It was mired in the postmodern meta cliches of the era. And if you know, if this was if there was no such thing as Halloween nineteen seventy eight and this was the very first movie, it would have been a one and done. It was it's just it was so right. inco yeah. inconsequential and so i mean this movie really is a product of its time you know and it's it's a movie that has not aged well because when i saw it 20 years ago i thought yeah cool now mind you that was coming off a couple of really shitty sequels so this that had some sort of uh, veneer of quality to it you thought okay it's pretty good but revisiting it all these years later oh my god it was a very uh, depressing experience. <laughs> so, uh, segue to what did we learn? Sure. Uh, you know, to, to back up my point there about this totally unrelatable, like weird stucco building and a bunch of just partying teens in an abandoned or like in a school after hours kind of thing. And it is like, and they're lighting a bunch of candles. Like, there's a prominent feature of this thing, a dumbwaiter which is also ridiculous. Like this is plays a major role. Like who even knows what the hell a dumbwaiter is? Like it's amazing I even know that as part of my vocabulary. It's like some something that Well, like, to be fair, I knew what a dumb, dumbwaiter was. Yeah, but it's, was, it's so but... ridiculous as like is this something that is this what the kids are into, you know? And like what a weird reference that they have this thing to pull food up between floors in this weird Hogwarts kind of setting well, like the setting is crap. in all fairness i the think that waiter, they included like, crap. the like, dumb waiter because like, it contributed to a pretty cool kill i guess but it's just such a it's it's a lot of just 
the standard trope of trying to get with your best girl and get laid in a quiet, secluded place. Although this is not a good place. This is not like the rattling tin cans of your, uh, or or the the sh what is it? The sh is it shells hanging on the on the uh, on the tree in the first Chainsaw Massacre, where you're in this indelible sense of place where you're totally removed from your reality in a different reality or, or like this the mean streets of ed koch era new york city for maniac like you're nowhere like this is not a place uh, i was not in this place and then i'm taken out of it by seeing like rock the bells going back to cali fucking security guard ll cool j in this like a terrible role where he's like the he's literally a gatekeeper like he's a, the guy who mans the 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 gates of this well the, of this school and then he gets like suckered into opening it and then compared like, to it's such a crap setting compared like, to the kickboxing Buster Rhymes and the one that pers <laughs> oh, the, the one god. that followed this one oh my god you know and yeah. pretty much killed the series dead LL was pretty much Lawrence Olivier yeah. uh, and I didn't find LL too swell like, no. <laughs> uh, I did find this hell. <laughs> I like a girl with extensions in her hair, bamboo earrings, at least two pair. Bikini small, heels tall. She said she liked the ocean. Like as you're, and, as, oh, as yeah, I see like, you licking your lips as you're, uh, you know, yeah. as you're um, <laughs> reciting those LL lyrics. Well, I mean, this was set in Cali, so they did leave Illinois for Cali. But yeah, it, it, it's just not. This is not a setting I like. These are not people I like. These are people who like stoop down they they to the material maybe like michelle williams hadn't found her stride for the brokeback mountain and yeah that's what you start to emerge like, as an actress yeah brokeback like, mountain for sure you know, there was other stuff she was in that's been pretty good it's not like hell but again josh hartnett stumbled his way into like the lucky number 11 all these things like they can be good hartnett probably not so good these are people like this this should not be a like you should be happy to have these people in your movie you know, as, as a horror fan they did not acquit themselves very no, well but again all, you're like you're, otherwise talented you're, people you're, you're bringing like, your impressions of Jordan, of uh, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Michelle Williams nowadays when they've yeah, still, evolved even, into even, wonderful actors to that to this movie 20 years ago when they were nothing they were well, just television actors and they were not good actors okay well even if you compare like the burning or the first like four friday the 13th movies like you're not expecting to see good acting somehow but like there's something i don't know there should be something here like this is not are, so michelle williams in, in that marilyn monroe bi biopic this is not fucking blue valentine this is a her being cast because she was on Dawson's Creek. Manchester by the Sea or whatever. Whatever, like, yeah. Well, whatever, you know? like, I don't know. I, I just... But that's not even the, the, the fourth biggest problem with this. <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah. It's just... I, I don't know. It, it has... like it, it reeks of that 90s self-awareness. There's bad haircuts. Uh, there's... Again, there's a scene with uh, the Arkin guy and his banter with the kids and says oh i'm gonna put on some nipple clamps or something when they're talking dirty and like you're if you're trying to be like relating to these kids on their level like it's cringeworthy like the dialogue's weird uh yeah i, I don't know the whole thing is just misguided i'm very curious to see where they go with 2018 because i think i don't think you need to reprise any character for any sequel if you stay true to the tone 
and the ethos and the mystique of the original. You don't need to bring back Laurie Strode. And well, it's, it's fine. Like we'll see what happens. This is in, the third time. Isn't year. it funny how every twenty years that's what they do? They just reboot it and they bring back Laurie. They bring it back Game Lee. It, it should not matter, and it really should not matter whether you're going to create a backstory like Rob Zombie did. Like you don't, you're, you know, you have a clean slate. You have your tabula rasa to do with it as you please. As long as it's good, it doesn't matter. Like it'll all come out in the wash. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Like I'm mildly optimistic, but. I'm not sure that the guy behind Pineapple Express is like the guy you should go to. Like I don't understand like well, why he's like the. the I think he's the guy. I like, don't know. I th- I I think he might surprise us. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so star rating. I'll tell you. Twenty years ago, I would have given this a solid three and a half stars. Now I'm gonna give it one and a half stars. Oh my! So it's it's gone down for each decade. It's gone down a full star. It's gone down two stars twenty in twenty years. So, I consider this to be just completely inconsequential, weightless, what have you. Give me a misguided Daniel Harris, Jamie Lloyd, Druid, Cult of Whatever <laughs> sequel over this any day of the week. One and a half stars. Yeah, I saw this like two or three years ago, and I thought, oh, this is passable fare. Uh, I probably would have given it a three out of five there, like a very tepid thumbs up, but. Uh, I noticed, I don't know if you noticed this too, like um, I, I tried to, as I thought, am I the only one seeing this? I looked on IMDb like two hours ago when Joseph Gordon-Levitt goes in to inspect the house of the one of the nurses or associates of, of Dr. Loomis. Like there's a day for night continuity error. Like, he yeah, I, I noticed and that it's too. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, and then on IMDb I read that Donald Pleasance, to whom this film was dedicated, they misspelled his name. And it's like, if you're going to dedicate it to the late, great, uh, you know, actor here, like, somebody, like, get a spell check. And and that was like, I only read this, I, I didn't notice it at the time, but if that's the case, that's that's really, really bad. This has not aged well in the two years since I've seen it. I'm going to give it, ooh, uh, again, lots of wandering around, hallways, uh, overuse of this indelible character, much like how the, the Freddy sequels, Nightmare on Elm Street, overuse of Freddy. He's supposed to be a, a character who just comes in to do his business and then leaves. There's too much Michael Myers, too much wisecracking, too much 90s, too much self-referential crap. I'm going to give this two. Uh, the opening opening was kind of kind of neat i like the skate blade to the face i don't know whether that's a canadian and a canadian yeah, but again but that, was, that was that was kind of such a blatant attempt to copy scream and by you know offing a familiar face before the opening credits i mean come on dude it was it was just for you know well his friend like you know in the interest of self-preservation bails and then gets killed later Joseph Gordon-Levitt pulls a beer out of the fridge and like there's nothing to see here. He like swipes the kitchen stuff with his hockey stick. I don't know. It had like a little, a little bit of Carpenter-esque direction. So there's like that POV, and I thought this is a pretty neat. Like I was surprised by the skate to the face, and I thought that was a neat death. And I thought if they had carried that momentum over to the latter, you know, four fifths, which they didn't, so it just went south for me there. But geez, yeah, one and three quarters, two at absolute best. And uh, for more, check out our website, www.reallyawfulmovies.com. We're really looking forward to the 2018 incarnation. Uh, We're going to podcast that when it comes out. 
check us out every Friday for your listening enjoyment. The Really Awful Movies podcast, genre films for your listening pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.